Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice. <clears throat> I hope this uh, this video podcast uh, gets to you in good health and safety. Um, right off the bat, I just I need to share my tremendous gratitude to all of you, those of you who who like and subscribe. It's the simplest bodhisattva act you can do because it spawns the YouTube algorithm to help spread this resource. Yeah. Um, those of you who are purchasing ebooks, print books, namo myorengeko mandalas, yeah. Tremendous help, tremendous support. Patrons, you are a universal worthy bodhisattva, yes? So, thank you to all of you. I'll get that out right off the bat. We are in the midst of a very juicy chapter, the Holben chapter, the second chapter of the uh, Lotus Sutra proper, the 28th chapter Lotus. Um, as you know, I'd like I'd like to change the convention on that, and instead of a 28 chapter, I'd like to call it the uh, the 32 chapter Lotus Sutra, because the three chapters of the Innumerable Meanings Sutra are really kind of the first three chapters before the, quote, introductory chapter of the Lotus Teaching itself. They really, the Lotus Teaching is an Innumerable Meanings Teaching. They're really the... They're so married, but okay. And then the final chapter on the meditation on how to conduct oneself as universal bodhisattva, as an epilogue to the Lotus Sutra, is it doing a whole lot different than the other, the 26th, 27th chapter, the 28th chapter? Anyway. We can talk about that some more, but we are in the, as it's known, 28th chapter Lotus Sutra, and we are in the second chapter. And uh, it's juicy. It's the one that we begin our gongyo with, and uh, it has very fundamental implications for the entire sutra, yeah? Uh, and Shariputra is getting <laughs> quite an education, uh, and willingly. He's excited. So good on you, Shariputra, right? At that time, the world honored one, who just got through explaining several things, wants to repeat of all, all of them in gathas, in verse, yes? So here we go. Bhikshus and bhikshunis, ob obsessed by utmost arrogance, upasakas filled with self-conceit, upasikas with unbelief, four groups such as these, 5,000 in number, which is really a paltry little sum when you consider the size of this assembly, yeah? But nonetheless, there's a percentage. Perceiving not their errors and faults in comportments, careful only of their flaws. Such small wit they showed. Ouch. Burn. These dregs of the assembly, ouch, who because of the Buddha's splendid virtue withdrew, they couldn't handle it, 
These men of little virtuous happiness are incapable of receiving this law. Right? Ichantikas. They're so full of themselves, they can't even imagine that this path goes further. They think they're there. I mean, shit. Does this not sound like uh, Shakyamuni's pissed off? I get it. Now, this assembly has no twigs and leaves, but only those who are true and real. Congratulations. Shariputra. And Shariputra, no doubt, gets what he's saying. Listen carefully to the laws obtained by the Buddhas, which, by infinite tactful powers, they expound for all creatures. Here he comes, right? What they all entertain in their minds, all the ways they practice, how many kinds are their desires, and their former karma imprints, what I call repercussions, right? Shakyamuni is saying it right there. Karma's karma. It's the engine of life. It's what our momentum is. And the way each moment is an influence to that freight train, the 3,000 realms, with our conscious intervening, with the help of our chanting, our enlightenment, we can imprint that karma. I don't know if you need a better definition of free will, but that's it. Now, it's at a very, 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 very fundamental level. And it requires quite a bit of effort. So maybe that's not what psychologists are talking about. They're kind of superficial anyway. <laughs> Good and deluded and malicious, the Buddha knows all these perfectly. I know we're all influenced by every moment of our momentum. I know this, right? Buddha saying this. With various reasonings and parables, terms and tactful powers, he causes them all to rejoice teaching either sutras or gathas or former things or birth yeah, or birth stories or the unprecedented and also teaching by reasonings, by parables and geyas, a mixed prose and verse and by Upadesha scriptures. So all these skillful means, these expedient devices, ways of teaching you and I and others how this practice works, right? The dull who delight in petty rules, who are greedily attached to existence, who under innumerable Buddhas do not walk the profound and a priori way, who are harassed by all the sufferings, because of these, I teach nirvana. It's interesting. So people who aren't ready yet mentally to accept, to understand the functions of the engine of life. It's just too, a little too profound for them to quite get. We're still dealing with the capacities of people even today, right? Now, yes, this is 2,700 years ago, but 
to those people, dull, who delight in petty rules, right? You know, you know people like this. Maybe it's you yourself. Hmm? But you know that the teachings and that you're constantly harassed by sufferings, which is the whole purpose of your practice of Buddhism is to get away from that. And the way to get away from that for you or for a person that you know who's a little slow in understanding these profound things, right? Never been exposed to it, so it's taking some time to understand. He teaches nirvana, this provisional nirvana, that you can achieve a life not being dragged around by your attachments, your desires, your needs and wants. You know, that stuff will still be there, but you need to change your mind about them. I can do that? Yes. This is the first major step, right? He continues, I have set up such tactful ways to enable them to enter the Buddha wisdom, but I have never said you all shall accomplish the Buddha way. And this is another kind of side delivery to Shariputra. Shariputra is not dull-witted, but he is explaining to Shariputra that a lot of the assembly, the a lot, a lot of the people that Shariputra was teaching and others were teaching, they weren't quite up to snuff. And so rather than have them quit and say, ah, I can't do this. He said, okay, okay, let's talk about accomplishing nirvana. So this provisional nirvana he taught, the counterfeit dharma, Yes. The reason why I've never so said is that the time for saying it had not arrived. Because if you, if you say to somebody who's not ready to hear it that if they just do this, they'll get there, then you set them up to think, well, why do you think I'm stupid? See, that right away, you can't give them a goal that's greater than the goal that you're giving them to do because they're going to feel it. They're going to know, well, and then why bother? They'll just doubly quit. Tell them their goal is nirvana, and they're going, well, I think I can do that, and don't tell them anything else. Let them accomplish that, and hopefully by the time they accomplish it, they understand. Obviously, that didn't occur, and that's why we're here in the Lotus, yes? Well, it's not the only reason, but... But now is the very time, and I have resolved to teach the great vehicle. Because now, first of all, my life is coming to a close. My opportunity to teach all living beings is coming to a close. And if they haven't gotten it by now, I need to, dear Shariputra, straighten it out. And Shariputra gets it. He goes, oh, I, I get it. I can't wait to hear it. But those 5,000, pith, they're still full of themselves. Well, go on, get out. They're still untold, uncountable, immeasurable, blah, blah, blah. In other words, the whole of mankind is present. There's just a tiny percentage that just, they'll just resist. Even if it's just to resist, because that's who they are. Oh, well. These nine divisions of my law taught according to the capacity of all creatures are but the introduction to the great vehicle. 
Hence, I teach this sutra. Now, we hear Nichiren say it all the time. Everything prior, and not just Nichiren, but certainly Nichiren says, all teachings prior to the Lotus Sutra were really provisional. They were all in the service of getting us to the Lotus Sutra. Well, isn't that what Shakyamuni just said? So Again, Nichiren didn't invent this stuff. He's just pointing it out. Thank you, Nichiren. There are sons of the Buddha whose minds are pure, who are gentle and clever-natured, and who, in innumerable Buddha regions, have walked the profound and a priori way. On behalf of these sons of the Buddha, I teach this great vehicle, Sutra. Now, you may, you may have wondered what the nine divisions was. Let me read the footnote. The nine divisions of Hinayana text arranged according to subject. The nine divisions are sutras, stanzas, former things, birth stories, the unprecedented, reasonings, parables, chants, and doctrinal discourses. These are all examples of expedient means, yes? All right, let's continue. And I predict that such men as these in the world to come will accomplish the Buddha way. Now, what does that mean in the world to come? It just means next, coming up, right? Because we don't talk about past, present, and future when we're talking about the way to Buddhahood because we understand that we are momentum, moment to moment, moment to moment to moment. So we expect the next moment to occur, but we don't fill it with our wishes and cravings. We just know that as it comes, we will accomplish the Buddha way. That's a very contemporaneous from this moment perspective of mind, yes? Hmm? That's not to say in the next life, unless you want to say a life is birthday, 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 birthday. I'm with you. Do you see why this is confusing to so many people? And why those Hindus who were still hung up culturally on reincarnation read that into it? Even in the translations, it's read into it. But that's not what he was talking about. Through their deep-hearted mindfulness of the Buddha, using their opened Buddha mind, yes, and observance of the pure comportments, these hearing that they may become Buddhas are filled throughout with great joy. How is it that you know that you can accomplish Buddhahood? It's because of your Buddha nature. So you kind of let that slip in there. You wouldn't have confidence in your enlightenment lest you viewed it from the facility, capacity of your enlightenment. You can't consider running a quarter mile lest you know how to move your feet and walk and run. Hmm? You have the ability. Now you only need to hone it, train it, accomplish it. It says accomplish Buddhahood, right? The Buddha knows their mind and conduct and therefore teaches to them the great vehicle. Annotation. Here we can see the same epithet 
of the innumerable meaning sutra used as this lotus sutra lending credence to the to the earlier claim of the innumerable sutra being a prologue to this lotus as one and the same all right if shravakas or pratya or bodhisattvas hear the law which i teach even be it but one verse all without doubt become buddhas because just listening to a verse a phrase of this sutra is enough to crack open that gohonzon gate and a little light of buddhaness come through and it affects everything right see my videos on the nine consciousnesses or wuji to you and me that's probably the the best introduction in the Buddha lands of the universe, there is only the one vehicle law, neither a second nor a third. Have I said that enough times, Shariputra? To all of you, the entire assembly, the three vehicles are the lesser vehicles. They're truly, to achieve Buddhahood, is only one way. It's not that I was lying, right? Expedient means... It's not that I was tricking anyone, although if you want to look at it that way, okay. I was just providing a goal for those who, if the goal was as lofty as actual Buddhahood, would have quit altogether. And I couldn't afford to lose a single one of you. Hmm. Except the tactful teachings of the Buddha. But by provisional expressions, he has led all living creatures, revealing the Buddha wisdom. In the appearing of Buddhas in the world, only this one is the real fact. For the other two are not true. Shravaka and Prachaka Buddha. They are not the true, the one great teaching. They're just training in order to get to here. They never, by a smaller vehicle, save all living creatures. The Buddha himself abides in the great vehicle. If you're looking for Buddha, he's in this one great vehicle, nowhere else. In accordance with the law he has attained, enriched with powers of meditation and wisdom, and by it, he saves all creatures. The great vehicle, or the Mahayana. I, proving the supreme way, the great vehicle, the universal law, if I convert by a smaller vehicle, even but one human being, I shall fall into grudging, a thing that cannot be. Follow? If I've worked this hard and this way to achieve what I am, and one of you, I teach a lower vehicle, and you accomplish what I've accomplished, I'm going to feel like, why was it so hard to me, for me? My mental attitude is going to digress and fall apart, right? And that just can't be. Because Buddha is Buddha, yeah? How can there be different forms of getting there? Anyway, he's pointing out the same message over and over again, isn't he? If men turn in resolve to the Buddha, 
the Tathagata will not deceive them, for he has no covetous and envious desires. It's not a competition. And is free from all the errors or delusions of the laws, the many laws, experiences. So the Buddha in the universe, Tathagata, is the one being perfectly fearless. It is the perfection of our capacity to observe, to be conscious, the mind, the Buddha mind. Yeah. I, by my signs adorned body, with their shining, with their shining, illuminate the world, and am revered by countless multitudes for whom I teach the seal of reality. No Shariputra. Of long ago I made a vow, wishing to cause all creatures to rank equally, without difference, with me. I want you all to achieve this enlightenment, the same enlightenment hmm, as I am experiencing. According to the vow I made of old, now all has been perfectly fulfilled for converting all living beings and leading them to enter the Buddha way. Whenever I meet any creatures, I teach them all by the Buddha way. But the unwitting remain confused, and going astray, they never accept my teaching. What can I do? I know that all these creatures have never practiced the fundamental goodness, are firmly attached to the five desires, the skandhas, and through infatuation, are in distress. Infatuation being another form of being attached, right? Being distracted, being pulled by their desires. A little nose hook. Go this way, you want this, you want that. Hmm? By reason of these desires, they have fallen into the three deluded and malicious paths, right? Hell, hunger, animality. Transmigrating in the six states of existence, they suffer the utmost misery. Received into the womb in minute form, life after life, moment after moment, they ever increase and grow, poor in virtue and of little happiness. They are oppressed by all the distresses, which they bring on themselves because of their false attachments. They don't take that final step of not even nirvana because they don't understand nirvana. They think they do. They have entered the thickets of heretical views such as existence or non-existence. It's not about that. Those were lessons to help you to understand the difference. But until you move on through them, you don't get that. You think that's the goal. Like those early schools of thought in Buddhism, that thought that everything is unreal and only exists in the mind. That was never the point. Yeah, everything is unreal as a possessive identification of self. But everything exists. There's no denial of existence in Buddhism. And yet there are schools out there that will tell you everything is in the mind. It's all a big dream. That's not Buddhism. How you dream, that's the issue. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. That's confusing. 
I take it back. <laughs> All right. Relying on these false views, altogether 62, and that's interesting, the 62 views arise out of the above two views, that is of existence and non-existence, and everything grows out of that, right? They are deeply attached to these false laws, firmly holding, unable to give them up, self-sufficient and self-inflated, suspicious, crooked, and resolveless in mind. So, like a, my analogy of falling through a tree and hitting every branch, yeah? During thousands and milliards of kalpas, let me look into that. I might have to change that spelling. Don't even know if that's a word. They have not heard the name of a Buddha, nor have they heard the true law. They may have hit their ears, but they didn't hear it. Yeah? There's a difference between hearing and listening. You ever heard that from your mom or dad? Men such as these can hardly be saved. They just, they tune out the true teachings because it doesn't validate what they want. This is the plight of the Echantika. Ah, good definition of the Echantika, right? For this reason, Shariputra has set up a tactful way for them, proclaiming the way to end sufferings, revealing it through Nirvana. And you got to feel for Shakyamuni. He's again really plying Shariputra to understand. Because the first question you might ask, and Shariputra hasn't asked it, why would you do that to all of us? Why would you teach us nirvana? Only to then say, well, I did that because you guys wouldn't have kept going. Well, it sounds like you didn't have confidence in us. No, it's you who didn't have confidence in you. You didn't know that's what you were doing, but you were arrogant about what you loved having, possessing. And the Arhat is even more arrogant because he or she stands as a bodily truth of detachment. Well, you're fully attached to your body to the point where you're claiming this is your last one. What if I told you you never had one? What? Yeah, it's kind of messing with your head now, isn't it? <laughs> Though I proclaim nirvana, for those of you, yet it is not real extinction because you're still attached to the body. This is the false nirvana Shakyamuni will elaborate in the parable on the, in the seventh chapter, right? That's my annotation. All existence or laws, these two lines may be read, all and any laws from the very first have always been those of nirvana. From the beginning is ever the nirvana nature. In other words, nirvana happens in every moment, right? Moment to moment to moment. Birthday, 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 birthday. And that's still an attachment. Why we're trying to release ourselves from the cycle of birthday, 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 birthday. Not because we don't want to live the engine of life, but because that engine of birthday, birthday, birthday 
is where we make our attachments with the 3,000 realms and evil, every thought moment, so on and so forth. Everything precipitates from that idea of some kind of a core existence. We don't. We're a process constantly happening. We are living verb, not live, the thing, life, the parameters. No, we are a process, momentum, faster than you can, faster than light. Mm. When a son of the Buddha has fulfilled his course, in a world to come, he becomes a Buddha. In a world to come, the next moment, right? Becomes a Buddha. Only by my powers of tactfulness do I manifest the three-vehicle law. That's an expedient device. The three lesser vehicles are vehicles I chose to instruct monks with, students with, that gave them tangible experience, goals that they felt they could achieve with work that was reasonable for their capacity. By attaining that goal, they should have the increased capacity to now understand the ultimate goal. And if not, again, that's this is the time to straighten that out. This is what is now occurring, Shariputra which is all of our Shariputra nature, yes? Right? Don't think of this as some isolated conversation. This conversation is happening in the mind. Buddhism is about the mind. And Shariputra is a personage, a stand-in for a level of scholarship, capacity, knowledge, Buddha wisdom, hmm? For all the world-honored ones expound the one vehicle way. For all our Buddha natures, our Buddha capacity, understand in the same exact way how to experience, how to observe, how to be in this experience of Buddha. It's the same for the entire cosmos. Why would it not be the same for you and I? It's the ultimate truth. Now let all in this great assembly be free from doubts and perplexities. The Buddhas do not differ in their statements. There is only one and no second vehicle. In the past, countless kalpas, innumerable extinct Buddhas in hundreds, thousands, and milliards, again, milliards, whose numbers cannot be counted, all such world-honored ones as these with various reasonings and parables and innumerable tactful powers have proclaimed the various laws. All great mentors, teachers, scholars that have led you along the path of enlightenment have been pointing to the same thing, which I'm now about to drop. Hmm? But all of these world-honored ones proclaim the one vehicle law, converting numberless creatures to enter the Buddha way. Moreover, the great revered masters, knowing 
that which all the worlds of universal realms of influence, men's and other creatures, deeply desire in their hearts, in addition, by varying tactfulness, assist in revealing the first principles. If there are any beings who have met the former Buddhas, if having heard the law, they have given donations, thank you again, all of you, if they have kept the comportments and been preserving, been assiduous, meditative and wise, having kept these virtuous ways of happiness and virtue, such beings as these have all attained the, the way. After the extinction of Buddhas, men with good and soft minds for the truth, such living beings as these have all attained the, the way. After the extinction of Buddhas, those who revered their relics and built many codices of sorts of stupas with gold, silver, and crystal, with moonstone and agate, with jasper and lapis lazuli, clearly and broadly decorated, handsomely displayed on every stupa. Or those who built stone shrines of sandalwood and aloes, eaglewood and other woods, or of bricks, tiles, and clay. Or those who in the wilds raised earth for Buddha's shrines. Even children in their play who gathered sand for a Buddha's stupa. All such beings as these have attained the Buddha way. This is all about attitude and intent, isn't it? If men for the sake of the Buddhas have erected images carved with the characteristic signs, they have all attained the Buddha way. They're on their way because they're respectful. They're paying homage, their attitude and intent. Yeah. Or those who with the precious seven jewels with brass, red and white copper, with wax, lead and tin, with iron, wood and clay, or with glue and lacquer have adorned and made Buddha's images. All such ones as these have attained the Buddha way. Not Buddha nest, the Buddha way. They're on the path. Yes. Those who have painted Buddha's images with the hundred merit-adorned signs, whether done by themselves or by employing others, have all attained the Buddha way. Even boys in their play, who with reed, wood, or pen, or with a fingernail, have drawn Buddha's images, all such ones as these, gradually accumulating merit and perfecting hearts of great compassion, have attained the Buddha way. Indeed, by influencing the bodhisattvas, have emancipated countless creatures. If men, to the stupas and shrines, to the precious images and paintings, with flowers, incense, flags, and umbrellas, have paid homage with respectful hearts, or employed others to perform music, beat drums, blow horns and conches, panpipes and flutes, play lutes, harps, guitars, song, uh, gongs and cymbals, such a priori sounds as these, all played by way of homage, or with joyful hearts, by singing have extolled the merits of Buddhas, even though in but a low voice these two have attained the, the way, the proper attitude and intent toward what? A guy? No, the engine of life, the sacred, precious, moment-to-moment -moment life, the process, the engine of which we are experiencing and observing. 
That's the, the way. Even anyone who, with a distracted mind, with but a single flower has paid homage to the painted images, shall gradually see countless Buddhas, eventually, as long as you keep that attitude and intent. Or though, and, and Nichiren says this all the time of our practice, right? Single-mindedly seek Buddha. That's what that means. Keep your mind right. Or those who have offered reverence, were it by merely folding the hands, or even raising a hand, or by slightly bending the head, by thus paying homage to the images, gradually see innumerable Buddhas attaining the supreme way, extensively save countless creatures, and enter the formless nirvana. As when firewood is finished, the fire dies out. If any, even with distracted mind, enter a stupa or a temple and cry but once, Nama Buddha, Namo Myoho Renge Kyo, they have attained the Buddha way. If any from the Buddhas of the past, whether in existence or already extinct, have heard this law, they have all attained the Buddha way. How amazing is this? Now, you may be putting two and two together here. Why do we always say when you introduce somebody, have them come over and chant with you? Because are they going to chant with you in your bathroom? No. You're going to open your Buddhadon. You're going to show them this perfect mirror of enlightenment, right? You're going to show them where to focus and watch how their mind lets all their daily drama get pushed out while they focus on Namu Myoho Rengekyo just for a few minutes with me. What do you, why do you think we do that? Uh, Shakyamuni tells you right here. If any, even with a distracted mind, somebody doesn't know what's going on, enter a stupa or temple, sit in front of your stupa, and cry out but once, Nama Buddha. What is Nama Buddha? Namu Myoho Renge Kyo. Invoke my Buddha. My, my path to Buddha. My Buddha eye. They have attained the Buddha way. Boom! Now, of course, you make a commitment doing that, that you'll help them whatever their needs are, but you don't need to chase them down. If they freak out, they freak out. If they don't freak out, they don't freak out. If they have a thousand questions, do your best. But they've just hit Buddha. And you don't know how they're going to react. But they'll never walk away from it. It will continuously come. I am an example of that very thing. And I can tell you stories about that. Being, listening sitting in front of a butsudan in a poor woman's house who had the butsudan, she put it on the floor. And I was sitting on a couch looking down at it. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. I listened to her chant for like half an hour. Did I chant? No. But I was intent on that scroll. I thought, that's really interesting. This sounds really interesting. I had my arms folded like, eh, I don't know. I'm just doing this to be generous to her. It opened my practice. I didn't know it, but it was years later 
when I found this practice again. And it was only uh, several months, maybe a year after I started practicing Nietzsche's doctrine that I suddenly remembered her kindness. Yeah, that blew my mind. So you don't know. You don't know what it's going to take. All the future world honored ones, infinite in their number, all these Tathagatas also by tactful ways teach the law. That was her tactful way. It worked. It worked because this law works. It's not on her. But she undoubtedly gained a lot of merit from doing that. She had to have. How could she not? I appreciate her more now since I've never seen her again than I did in that day that I was taking pity on her. And that makes me sad from time to time that I couldn't reinvestigate that relationship and thank her personally. But she deeply affected my life, yeah? All of the Tathagatas, by infinite tactful ways, save all living creatures. To enter the Buddha's faultless wisdom, of those who hear the law, not one fails to become a Buddha. How can you get more confidence than that? This is the original vow of the Buddhas. By the Buddha way which I walk, I desire universally to cause all creatures to attain the same way along with me. No difference between Shakyamuni Buddha and you, Buddha. Me, Buddha. It's just Buddha is, an, is like a, what do they call that, a suffix to your name, like doctor or whatever. Or uh, what's more, um, like lawyers, they get this, uh, ah, what is it? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Though the Buddhas in future ages proclaim hundreds, thousands, codas, countless schools of doctrine, in reality, they are but the one vehicle. Right? Because Buddha is the engine of life. It's itself the experience of life. There's no more fundamental enlightenment. The Buddhas, the honored ones, know that nothing has an independent existence and that Buddha seeds spring from a cause, so they reveal the one vehicle. All things abide in their fixed order, hence the world abides forever. Now that's an interesting word to use, forever. But it's kind of a a denial of time, if you read it right. Forever in this context doesn't mean it lasts throughout all time. What it means is that forever is a status of being that's constant. Whether it is in a moment, 0 0.50 zeros in a digit of a second, that is forever. Because it never changes. Never another one of those words. Language. Right? It's an obstacle. Having apprehended this on the wisdom throne, the leaders proclaim it in tactful ways. 
All right, I need to wrap this up. Whom universal realms of influence and men pay homage to, the present Buddhas in the universe whose number is as the sands of the Ganges and who appear in the world for the relief of all creatures, these also proclaim such a law as this. Annotation. It is worth pointing out here that this is a teaching embodied in the Bodhisattva Never Disparaging chapter. This is the thought that we should encounter all those we meet with the knowledge that they too have the innate Buddha nature or potential and so to treat them with this kind of respect. Yeah. Think of all the people you've met in the last week or that you've worked with or that you've run into in the supermarket or wherever. Have you treated all of those people? Have you seen them coming down the aisle and going, a, a potential Buddha, a Buddha, a Buddha, a potential Buddha mind, I should say, right? Not a Buddha like a person. Try that exercise someday. Somebody asks you directions or says, do you know where the peanut butter aisle is? Right? Resist the, uh, the, 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 the tendency uh, of, uh, I have to answer a question. Uh, what's this person want from me? Oh, he's good looking. I'll talk to him. Redu re stop being reductive. Answer the question with the respect of a Buddha asking you, where's the peanut butter aisle? Oh, let me help you. Wow. Can you do that? Can you do that? Experiment with that. See how it feels. Yeah. And with that uh, tactfulness, <laughs> I will leave you for today. Thank you so much for listening this far. It really is helpful uh, when I get longer listening times on the videos. Um, one of the reasons I don't want to keep them too darn long because it, it really affects the algorithm when you know everything does. Um, but I really appreciate your listening, your practice, most of all. Congratulations on that, because I know it takes effort. And I'll just say, please take care of your health. It helps your practice stay strong. It helps you, you stay strong. You know all the links are in the description for the various tools and free stuff on this uh resource, the website, the podcast, so on and so forth, bookstore. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next one, okay? Namo myo renge kyo. Bye for now.